Anybody else been rather excited about what we're seeing kind of pop off in the world these days? Let me be specific just in case some are unaware. There's been quite a bit of spiritual activity happening where people are uh, uh, in worship. The Lord just presence coming so strongly. Um, in Asbury College, Kentucky, the uh, kids... Worshiping in one of their services, presence of the Lord comes so strongly, and suddenly it captured the imagination of the world. I mean, like in an instant. That's not normal, by the way. Because God, I mean, every week we worship, God's presence comes. So clearly, something other than is happening <laughs> that just goes beyond the normal sort of worship service. Uh, that sort of expectation, hunger, like a wildfire. Suddenly people are famished for the presence of the Lord. Suddenly people are running. They're, you know, driving 15, 20 hours to get to this college campus. And there's not enough room in that building. And anyway, it's kind of been fun to watch that all unfold and hear personalities, people talking about it, their experiences. If you go on any kind of form of social media, you can look it up and find, I, I, you know, there's critiques and critics and all that kind of stuff too, which... Frankly, it, it probably isn't real if there isn't the uh, watchdogs out there saying it's not. So <laughs> Jesus always has those kind of people coming against them. We, uh, we have many friends that pastor or lead congregations around the world, and I meet with many of them. Uh, once a month, I have a, a call with leaders from around the world, and it's like a Zoom call, so we get to talk about what God's doing in our churches and what we're seeing and just share notes, right, what God's, what we're seeing the Lord do. Y'all, cross the earth. Cross the earth. There is this wildfire that got triggered in the hearts of people and an appetite, a desire to worship and to draw near. I don't think anybody knows what they're doing. I don't think there's any professional revivalists out there leading any of these things. I think people are literally just like, ah, Jesus, we want you. Like, whatever it looks like, Lord, come. And that right there, I love that prayer. But do you know how dangerous that prayer is? Lord, come into your house. You know, you're the house of God. Invite him in. Open that door of fellowship. See what happens. Jesus, come in. Fellowship with my family. Come in. Be Lord. What do you think is going to begin to happen when you do that? If you open that door, you draw near to him, and you're sincere in heart. You really are truly sincere. The scripture says he'll draw near to you. There's no detractor there. There's no, like, secondary thought. He will draw near to you. He wants to be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. He died so that we would never be alone. He, the Father, is a home for the lonely. He wants to and is longing to draw people near. He loves you. He says he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. That's an amazing promise right there. Never leave you, never forsake you. You got saved. 
Did you get gloriously saved? The Lord's light shone in your heart. You felt his, pro his promises, his provision, his mercy. You became new. Woo, amazing. In those moments, he took up residence. The scripture says that you've become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The holy God dwells within your earthen tabernacle. The holy God dwells within your earthen tabernacle. He pours out his spirit like a river, not meant to stay within the little cistern of your box, little container. Thanks, Jesus, I have enough. I'm good. No, no, it's a river. It's a river. When you step into it, whoo, there's a flow. If you uncork that sucker, my goodness, we're going to have some issues. The issues are going to be change, transformation, love touching your family. Suddenly, you're going to have to work through issues you didn't want to work through. Lots of stuff begins to happen when Jesus draws near. When, when you open up, you unharden, you invite, you draw near. Oh, my, he wants to draw near to you. I heard the Lord say this week, Worshiping, I'm telling you, I've been stirred up for about a month, and it's been such an interesting process because it has been feeling like this pressure building in the spirit. I don't know if you felt it. Uh, this pressure building in the spirit. Like, um, you ever watched like a big wave contest, surfing contest? Where you, this monster wave just rises out of the ocean, and it's trying to eat the little surfer dude that's in front of it. Right? That wave, that pressure, you can feel it. It's mounting, building. Shh. That backflow and current and weightiness. The Lord said to me, he said, make room. I'm coming. Thought you were already here, Lord. Mm. Turns out there might be more <laughs> than, there might be more you got all of them, but boy, oh boy, it's an acorn that wants to grow into a monster oak tree. You got all of them, DNA, you got him. He didn't come in part, he came in full. You have him. But oh my, the tributary of your life can grow into a whopping river if you'll let it, if you press into that thing. Make room, I'm coming. Why don't you do me a favor? I want you to do, I want you to experience what I experienced this morning. I was driving into church and just asking the Lord, like, all right, Lord, what do you want to do? Okay, it's your deal, your church. We gave this thing to him a long time ago. That means he gets to do what he wants. And it's not always on our timetable. I, I'm pretty sure nothing that I have ever planned has been on the correct timetable. I'm always like six months early prophetically. I don't know if anybody else knows the delay, but if I get a word, it's six months early. But I think that's because it takes that long for it to work out on the inside of me. I'm just slow. That's really what the problem is. That pressure has been building. And I, this morning, I'm driving into church. I said, Lord, what do you want to do today? What is it? How do we respond? What do you want from us? You know, and the, the, the Asbury gatherings, they closed yesterday. It's done. They shut down those, the student meetings. They're getting back to 
which is, by the way, consistent with every revival that has ever existed at Asbury College. Consistent. They're always a signpost for what he's about to do in the nation. If you go and you look up their revival history, go to their website, look at them. They're, they're three-day revivals, seven-day revivals, this kind of experience. So this is perfectly in line. 19 days, actually, I think is like the longest they've ever done this before. Shutting down, moving on, but it's not because God's done. It's because it's not meant to live only in a meeting. Because what he's doing is being poured out on the earth. It's not just in a meeting. It's not supposed to stay in the meeting. I love me some church services. Like, my goodness, I'm, I better, right? Love this. But I know this isn't real life. And the presence of God that's coming on your life is meant to occupy, fill, transform your real world. And what are what that would look like, huh? What if God shows up to your work? Would that be awesome? So here I am driving in. The Lord, I just said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what do you want us to do? And uh, he said, son, take a deep breath. I took a deep breath. And he said, now hold it. I'm driving. I mean, it's, it, it took a while. It wasn't like instantaneous. And I heard him say, he said, he said uh, what, what are you experiencing? I said, whoa, Lord, I'm feeling an immense pressure in my lungs. I'm, and, and the longer that I paused, the more pressure that began to build. Try it. Take a deep breath and just hold it. What you're going to begin to feel is you're going to begin to feel a pressure. You're going to begin to feel that weightiness growing. It's going to feel like an elephant sitting on your chest. You're not having a heart attack. I asked you to hold your breath. That's what's happening right now. You're holding your breath, and you're holding it, and you're holding it, and you're holding it, and you're holding it. And the question becomes, why? What are you waiting for? Well, you're waiting for the release. And the Lord said, now let it out. And this deep sigh came out of me. He said, what did you feel? I said, I felt release. He said, exactly. This is what people are needing right now. You just need permission. You just need release. Because what God's doing in your life is what he's doing in the earth. What he's doing in your life right now, he's moving in your families. He's moving in your workplace. He is stirring the young people, the younger generation. They don't, oh my goodness, talk to I love me. I love me some 18 to 20 year olds. I love them. But there are a few things that might be detractors or standing in the way from them stepping into the greater thing. And one of it is they're misunderstanding the context for what they're coming into the earth in this moment for. They're not connecting it to what God's done in the past. It's not about them, but God's going to use them. He's fulfilling what he prophesied years and years and years ago, and it's going to come through. A billion soul youth harvest. The young people are getting lit up right now. They're hungry. They're so done with the, 
I don't know, the church service, maybe. I think it's the religion. I think it's the control. I think it's the, hey, you're trying to interpret what I'm doing and where I'm going, and you're not leaving voice for me. And I think there's a whole bunch of factors that are happening. I think probably the last political season, the last three years, was pretty difficult on a young generation that sees that they're going to inherit the wind instead of the rich nation. They're watching it burn down. They're watching their parents, who used to be on fire for Jesus, become politicized. They're watching issues become the main thing instead of Jesus. They're watching so many versions of false things being lifted up. And now we watch as a young group, people, young ones, they don't, are, do they know? Do they know what they're doing? Do they, they know, they really don't, but they know that when he drew near, when his presence came, they knew to respond. Just respond. What's the right response, Pastor Jamie? Oh, uh, no, 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 just respond. What's he saying to you? What's he putting his finger on? It's not a corporate response. No, no. He's coming to your home. He's coming to your household. He wants you to open that door. It's going to redeem families. It's going to restore generations. It's going to turn the hearts of fathers to their kids, kids to their fathers. The stuff that's been lost and the result of broken generations the curses that have resulted, oh my, that stuff's about to be reversed. Young ones going to stand on the foundation of what previous generations have done. There's a, uh, there is a weighty inheritance of spiritual momentum waiting for people who will stand up in this moment upon the foundations of what God has done in history and align themselves to his move, not try to do their own thing. Friends, we're in the middle. It's, it's an awakening. There's an awakening happening. There's an awakening happening. What's it going to look like, Pastor Jamie? I can't tell you what it's going to look like at your work. But the scriptures are very clear in what happens when Jesus shows up. Not the response and what it will look like practically, but what happens to human beings when the presence of the Lord shows up like what we're talking about? First time I went to, um, I was stationed in Biloxi, Mississippi, 1997. I've, t I've told so many stories about Brownsville, but I, this thing became so stuck in my mind recently because when we saw what was happening at Asbury, it just reminded me, like, oh, my goodness, that was exactly what it looked like. We lived it. I lived it for a year. And I remember the first service, though, like, distinctly, because my friend had invited me, tricked me to go. I didn't even know what it was. And we got led in the back door, and we're sitting, quite literally, in those two seats right there. Front two seats, front and center, Browns Revival. They let all the people in, 3,000 people run into the room and fill the whole room up to capacity, and everyone else is locked outside in tents and everything else. And, and there's thousands of people, and the room is abuzz, and I'm like, what is going on? Worship kicks off. It's southern gospel music. Totally clueless. Big, big choir, big, like, big gospel 
You know, like at the time, my favorite type of music was punk rock. <laughs> We're living in two different worlds. There's no song lyrics on the, the screens. There's no nothing. And so I don't even know how to interact with it. To top it off, when they kick in that, that music, suddenly all the young people run to the front and everybody starts doing the Pentecostal hop. Do you know what the Pentecostal hop is? Okay, it's everybody's just bouncing. Straight up and down, just jumping. Look what the Lord has done, right? Look at, and all the dudes in suits are, look what the Lord has Right? And that's everybody. People on stage, everybody's doing this thing. And I'm standing there. I'm used to mosh pits. Wall to wall with people. We're not supposed to be jumping up and down. Like, it got so crowded, it literally could pick you off the ground. Like, that's how crowded people would push in. And, I'm, and I am a bystander. I hate it. I hate everything about it. The experience. I hated everything about it. I looked around. I went, these people are crazy. There's no way this is God. <laughs> Maybe you got invited to the house this morning and you walked in here and you're like, these people are crazy. I know God. He lives in my box. He doesn't do anything else outside of my box. He's just... Pastor, decency and order. <laughs> oh, I love all you guys just laughed at that. That's great. Service goes on. Like two hours of worship. Everybody's sweaty. It's a mess. Oh, my goodness. We sit down finally. Evangelist gets up on stage. His name's Steve Hill, and he starts preaching hellfire and brimstone. I'm like... Bro, get right with God. You are a sinner. I mean, listen to some of those old sermons. They are wild. I probably would have interrupted him and asked him to sit down. It felt so violating in terms of the counterculture of where we're at right now. It's really wild. Just blasting away. And then we're going to call altar call. And so he has the first two rows pack up their chairs, move the chairs to the side, and go to the back of the auditorium because we're all in folding chairs. So they make room in the altars. Friends, as soon as he began to give the altar call, the atmosphere became electric. I mean electric. This, this attentiveness in spirit, this conviction came over the room it was an experience I had never had in my entire life. I'm standing in the back of the room. As soon as he began to appeal to people, I went running to the front. I'm on my face, weeping. Snot bubbles are coming out of my nose. Weeping. And this is my prayer. God, what is happening to me? Because I was clueless as to what it's like when God comes in the room. Clueless. Friends, people that attend revival services aren't non-believers. They're Christians who are hungry for more of God, and they heard in the wind that they might experience God. No one, I mean, there might have been some visitors in those services, but most of them were Christians. And when he gave that altar call, Half the congregation came running forward and were on their faces, all weeping like I was. That's something different. That's something other than. Did you know that heaven was created by God? It's not what existed around him. He created it so he could have interaction with the creation. 
God is so holy that in heaven, in the real heaven, not just the temple version, he has incense burning all the time. Those, those offerings that were cleansing the people so the people could interact with the holy God, that kind of atmosphere was ministering to the atmosphere in heaven. That means the holy God is so other than, so holy, that even the angels who he created to be in his presence need to be in an atmosphere that is ministering to him so they don't die. What do you think happens when the presence of God draws near to you? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think happens when God's presence, his kindness, his goodness shows up? The weightiness, right? But we go, Lord, don't stay afar. Deeper still. Come, Lord, have your way. So he comes close as a refiner's fire. And what do you think happens when a refiner's fire gets near your life? Have you ever had this experience? Uh, things are going good. You love God, loving people, like things are going good. And, and like God's moving in your life and then suddenly like all hell breaks out around you. Like it's hell. And, and not only is it hell breaking out around you, but you find yourself manifesting hell as well. Fight happens. It's not something happening to you. You engaged it. And a roar, something gross comes out of you. Has anybody in here ever had a day that maybe you would like to forget? Anybody? Any believers in here that have had a bad day and it didn't happen to you, you participated? <laughs> there is a distinction that I'm wanting you to see today because of what happens when the Lord comes to his people. The Lord has set your life apart and he is intending to use your life. He's intending for you to be a vessel that reaches the unreached. He's intending your life to be a vessel that brings his kingdom to a world that is not submitted to his kingdom. He's intending your life to advance his purposes in the world. And so what is required is that he has to work on the vessel so that he can use the vessel. The distinction is this, that stuff begins to come at you and you're like, oh my goodness, it's hell breaking out around me. And so you try to bind it in Jesus' name and you're coming against the storm, but unfortunately you're participating in the storm. What's going on here? That that there was something that rose out of your own heart, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of your heart came this, <laughs> instead of hamburgers, you ate children, right? Like, <laughs> you raged, you tapped into something, you went, what in the world? I thought God was working in my life, and here I am partnering with hell. Anyone? Bueller? Bueller. That's a joke for everyone 40 and older. 
kids that like retro movies. Shut up. <laughs> what happens when Jesus shows up? Two things. This is Malachi 3. I want you to see it in the context of scriptures. What happens when Jesus shows up? Malachi 3, verses 3 through 5. He will sit as a smelter, a purifier of silver. He'll purify the sons of Levi, the priests, priesthood. You are royal priests. Set apart to be holy, to represent him, all right? He will purify the sons of Levi. He'll refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. The offering of Judah and Jerusalem will become pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old in the former years. Then I'll draw near to you for judgment and I'll sit, excuse me, and I will be swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the wage earner and his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside from the alien, the sojourner, the person that's a visitor, and they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. What's it like when Jesus shows up? What's it like when the King of Kings, the Holy God, shows up to a life that is displaying hell? He is a smelter. You know what a smelter is? He is a worker of the metal. He is turning on the refiner's fire. This is who he is. He is a refiner's fire. It's his ministry. And he purifies vessels. And so when Jesus draws near, stuff begins to boil out of us. I'd like to propose to you that you're not just having a bad day. It's that the Lord is dealing with something that was in you and it came boiling out of you and you're trying to bind it and it's you. You're binding the devil that is coming against you, but maybe you just need to be delivered from the devil that's coming out of you. And maybe his presence drawing near to you that's causing you to whoa, manifest is actually a preparation because he loves you so much. It's his mercy to not leave you in the state that you're in. Why? Because he wants your life to be usable for his kingdom. And so when he draws near, it is perfectly normal for you to suddenly realize that you're, that you're having to get right with him. It amazed me about this Brownsville because it was all Christians in the room. And here I am, a believer, running to the altars. I'm throwing myself down, and, and the Lord is dealing with something, and I, my brain is on tilt. I have no idea. I don't understand. But I'm manifesting a repentance. The time ends. We all stand up. They have some altar workers come around, people to pray with, the people that came forward. And these two, this couple comes up, wonderful couple. Can remember their faces, don't remember their names. And they came up to me, and I was like 19 at the time. Came up to me, and... Like, oh, did you get saved tonight? Nope. Well, why'd you come down? I have no idea. You know, I was like, <laughs> they just start laughing and they're like, ah, you're going to have a good night tonight. And they walk away. Atmosphere shifts. They start playing some background music and they tell the congregation, hey, we're going to have ministry now. We're going to pray for people. And uh, they had a team in those days, to pray for people, like, a, like an official team, a prayer team. 
you know, we have prayer partners up here as well, but we tell you guys, hey, you're on the prayer team. Pray for one another. And, and so that prayer team begins to minister. Well, I'm standing right there because I ran to that place. I'm right in front of Steve Hill as he's going to come off the stage and he's going to begin to pray for people. He walks right off the stage and he puts his hand on the woman that's standing next to me. And she begins to, like screaming, and suddenly she launches herself into the people who all fall down like bowling pins behind her. <laughs> Onto the floor. And I looked at that, and then I looked at him, Now, I was in this revival for a year. My mentor was Steve Hill's personal bodyguard. I became friends with this group of people. These are relationships, okay? Steve looked at me, laughed, and walked away. He didn't even pray for me. Several months later, Several months later. My wife told this story. I want to tell my version of it, though. <laughs> no, it's not one of those stories. We had a friend. His name's Billy. Billy was in the service as well, but he was being kicked out of the service because they found his attitude not compliant. <laughs> he had an attitude. He totally did. Tattoos up his neck. He got picked on quite a bit in terms of the service because he didn't conform to the standards. And anyway, he was my friend. I liked him. We hung out. You know, we played basketball together. We worked out together. Like, he was my friend. I said to him one time, I said, hey, Bill, like, come with me. We're going to go down to the revival. Like, we're going to go to a church service. We'll go to the beach first. It's Pensacola. Like, we'll go swim. We'll have fun all day. It's a Saturday. You got nothing else going on. Afterwards, we'll go over to the church service. We'll just hang out today. He goes, all right, comes with. We're sitting front row. Why? Because I have befriended the head usher who has now told me anybody I bring from the base, they'll let in the back door. We never have to stand in a line. It's awesome. I never stood in a line once. Just walked right in every single time like we owned the place. We're sitting in the front row in the two rows that need to be removed when it comes to the altar call. And so we all stand up at the end. We remove the chairs. We go to the back. We're standing in the middle of the aisle in the back of the room. Steve Hill jumps on the microphone and begins to give the altar call. The atmosphere goes electric, and I watch my friend Billy bolt, run from the back of the room to the front, throw himself on the floor, and go through the experience. Afterwards, people come up. They pray with him. After they're done praying with him, he turns around and looks back at me. I can cry because I can see it. And he's beaming. Smile ear to ear. He comes running back to me. Throws his arms around me like a bear hug. Picking me up. He's saying, thank you, Jamie. Turns out he had been molested by his youth pastor. He swore he would never set foot in a church again. And I just watched as the loving kindness of God drew near, threw him to the ground, 
lovingly. <laughs> and whatever was hardening and blocking his ability to say yes to God in anything, the bitterness and the curse, the anger, the rage, the, all the injustice, all of it that had piled on his life for years suddenly is gone. It's like a refiner's fire. See, the Lord comes to believers and he is, he's working the metal of your life. Gold is a work of the divine. Silver is a work of redemption. Okay? He, he's redeeming that which was lost and broken and worthless. He's redeeming it. He's turning it into usable silver. But there's a work of the divine in it as well, the gold. Like God's doing both things in you. A work of God and he's redeeming your past and he's making it all so that you are a vessel your vessel. Now, I want to pause for a moment because there's two different things happening here. There's the fire of God, and then there's Jesus coming as a judge against some things. And you need to see the distinction because sometimes in our lives, we'll feel stuff is coming against us, but really it's coming out of us. And what you're needing to do is just listen to what God's saying, agree with him, so you repent. You turn from what was in you before. You agree with what he's saying, and transformation comes to your heart. The refiner's fire purifies it. Boom, you suddenly are. But there's another thing at work in this age. Stuff that comes against. And the Lord Jesus is coming in his presence to judge what has come against his priests. What in the form of the demonic has come against and assaulted what in the form of curses and consequences that aren't to do with your heart. But because you used your will to make a decision, you've come under a consequence. Look at what it says. Verse 5. I'll draw near to you in judgment. So he comes as a refiner's fire. He's working on the inside stuff. All that stuff comes gurgling out. You deal with it. You repent. Kumbaya, Jesus loves you, you love him, awesome. But what happens when that's going on in your life? You're having great quiet times, everything's good on the inside. But it's a wilderness around you because all hell won't let anything good happen in your life. What is happening? This. Jesus comes and he sits as a judge against sorcery or witchcraft. Y'all, witchcraft is real. There are people who intentionally engage with the demonic, intentionally break covenants, intentionally violate in order to come into alignment with demonic powers. There's people that do that. Against sorcerers, against adulterers, that is breakers of covenants. But you didn't know this or you haven't thought about this. By the way, all these things here are the short, this is a short list that summarizes Deuteronomy 28. The result of the blessings and the result of the curses. These are the highlights. Summary statement. When Jesus comes, he deals with the curses that have come against his people. Against adulterers, that's breaking of covenants. Against those who swear falsely. Right? Those are self-imposed curses, self-imposed words. 
I want you to think about some of this stuff, okay? Just nail the rest of them. Injustice towards the weak. Idolatry. These are the main sources of the curses of consequence that come on people because they participate in things that are evil. Now, you're, before you start arguing with me, let me help you because you've been wrong before. And you are right now. You're a believer. You love Jesus. Your life has been redeemed. The blood of Jesus canceled all forms of wickedness. He has dealt with absolutely everything. There is nothing that he has not dealt with. He's dealt with all of it. You've been fully redeemed. You are washed in the blood of the lamb. You are a vessel, clean, inside, out, redeemed, baptized, your sinful nature, gone, all that stuff. You are the king's kid. who has a will and the ability to choose. And the king's kid decides that you're going to, with your will, choose to participate in cursed things. So you are an enemy of the enemy who's decided to go play in the enemy's world. What do you think will happen to you? Nothing. No, uh -huh. Okay, well, hmm. Thank God you're here today. Because your life is a vessel, and if you have made room to receive the input of that demonic junk into your life, you're making room for it. It might not be you, but it certainly needs to be dealt with and will cause consequences in your life. Y'all, mm. You're overseas. You're on a vacation. Tourist. Like, hey, that's a pretty building on the hill. Let's go up to it. Take some pictures. Let's go ahead and cross between the incense altars and the idol. Let's walk between and see what happens. Let's go over these wheels. They're pretty. We're everybody's spinning them. Let's participate, shall we? I'm a believer. I'm a king's kid. I'm a member of the kingdom, an enemy of the enemy. And I now decide to go over these pretty things. Take a picture here, selfie, Instagram. Let's spin the wheels ourselves. Not realizing that you are now participating. You've violated, you violated their altar. Spoken curses literally between these two places. Don't do it. You go over and you participate in the prayer ritual to demons. Let's go ahead and have fun, take a picture, and you go home and you wonder why all hell breaks loose. Why suddenly you can't get pregnant. Why there are all sorts of ramifications. Why it never seems like you can get ahead. I'm a believer, Jesus' name, I come against thee. No, you, with your will, chose to participate in cursed items. Do you <laughs> Yes, you're saved, but thank goodness Jesus comes into your life with judgment because he deals with the stuff that's coming against you. You're married, you've made a vow, a covenant with a spouse, and in a whim you break the covenant and just assume that Jesus forgives and you move forward with your life without any consequences? Do you understand that breaking a covenant produces a result? There's a curse of consequence. 
But we're saved, Pastor Jamie. We're redeemed. Yes. Why do you think all hell, though, is coming against your new marriage? You never dealt with the responsibility and the consequences of the previous one. Yes, his mercy is true. Yes, the blood of Jesus deals with all this stuff. Yes, he became accursed so that these consequences wouldn't fall on you. But as a believer, you're not meant to go back there to participate with your will. And there are consequences that come upon you. Not in you, your life can be thriving on your inner man and stuff not work for you on the outside. When Jesus draws near, yeah, he's gonna woo your heart. His refiner fire, whoo, hidden sins, all that stuff's gonna come boiling out of you. Praise God. Some of that stuff, you're gonna participate in. You're gonna be like, it's just, <sighs> the seed of demonic influence comes from the world. And if it doesn't have a place in you, if there's no room for it, it's just like temptation, and you go, eh, get away. But if your vessel has room for it because you've made decisions with your will to make space for these kinds of thoughts, you've made room for forms of witchcraft, you've made room for adultery, you've made room for these kinds of things. You're violating pay to your employees. You're making a ton of money, but they're base, barely scraping by. Do you understand that that's a cursed offense? It's injustice towards people without a voice. Christians, our job is to take care of those who don't have representation under government. The alien, the sojourner, that's our job. But something in the last season... Something in the last season's like, oh, the political spirit became the rallying cry. And now we're blaming the alien for our issues, not realizing that we're participating in something that has nothing to do with believers' lives. That you're meant to be those who are standing on their behalf. That you're, we're meant to give voice to the voiceless. This includes abortion. This includes, the, yeah, come on. Do you see it? But this is the new covenant, Pastor Jamie. Yeah, it's the new covenant. So you're free from it, and you're still doing dumb. What are you doing? So when he comes, he starts to deal with your heart, and something comes bubbling out of you. He might be purifying the vessels so that your life becomes something usable for him. So that he can use your life in the marketplace. It's not just church services. Come on. This revival isn't meant for church services. We're going to experience it first fruits here. Of course we are. Outpouring, we get touched, but we're supposed to go into the world. That's where this is going. So why does he come and why does judgment come to the house of God first? Why would it come to the house of God first? To deal with the stuff that is preventing the body from being fruitful in kingdom work. He has to. Mm. Jesus paid for it. His kingdom justice is that he gets what he paid for. 
So stop holding on to these things. Let them go. I'm going to read one more passage here, and we can draw this to a close. This is uh, Psalms 68. I feel like this passage actually is a, something very prophetic about our moment. Psalm 68. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, as wax melts before the fire, let the wicked be dealt with before God. Let the righteous be glad, let them exalt before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness, sing to God with praises, his name, lift up a song for those who ride through the deserts whose name is the Lord, exalt before him. He is a father of the fatherless. He is a judge for the widow. God is this in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Listen to this last line. It is only the rebellious who dwell in a parched land. All this good stuff can be happening in you, but you still be dwelling in a parched land because of that thing that is coming against you. This rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. This thing is your environment not being transformed, your situation where your personal devotional life is great, but man, you never can make traction in the real world. What's going on? Maybe you have something coming against you that the Lord needs to sit as a judge over and deal with. How do we do that as believers? Super easy because Jesus already paid for it. You just literally, by the blood of Jesus, we break that thing. And then with your will, you choose to never go back to it. Do you know that your current marriage might be under crisis and like a desert wasteland of no life because you didn't deal with the root of the first marriage you broke the covenant in? And literally, it could just be an acknowledgement of truth and watch the Lord, boom, change the whole thing. Friends, choices are powerful. Jesus paid for all of it. All we got to do is believe. That's it. Believe what he did. Lord, your blood cancels this stuff. You hung on a tree to become accursed. I was literally this, this, it was happened this last week. I was laying in bed and I was, I was pondering something and Holy Spirit put this author on my mind. And so I looked him up and his name's Derek Prince. Anybody know Derek Prince? Okay. Some of you. Yeah. A little light reading to put me to sleep. No, Derek Prince is not light reading. He's like. I looked up just some principles concerning the consequences of believers participating in acts of wickedness. And he summarized, he listed them out and. I'm looking at this list and I realize it's the exact same list that's right here. Malachi 3, the exact same list. He's like, the, what I deal with most with believers is these curses of consequence. These things are happening in people's lives 
and they just haven't dealt with them. For some reason, they chose to participate in them, have issues, and then just literally never went back and dealt with them. So it's just been happening to them, and they just are surviving instead of thriving. So I'm listening, I'm re reading it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this literally is Malachi 3. Lord, what are you doing? Could it be in a moment of history? Like, could it be that in this moment of revival and outpouring, which, by the way, is 100% amongst believers, it's happening on a Christian college campus. The people that are flying and driving 20 hours, they're believers that have been dwelling in parched lands and are longing for presence. They show up there, and where are they end up? On the altars, repenting. Why would they do that? Because this is the result. What happens? Listen, friends. God is stirring amongst the believers. He is dealing with the house of God first. It's what he's doing. He's sitting as a refiner's fire in the midst of his people. And he's attempting and wanting to judge the enemies that are creating disaster around you. Our response is simple. It's when you feel him move your heart, you do not harden yourself. It's that simple. Just don't harden your heart. The ministry of the Lord will drive away the smoke. What drives away smoke? It's wind. The fire of God will melt the hardness of heart, the wax that's built up, whether it came through your choices or it came because someone else did stuff to you. That holy fire and that wind, whoo, Sounds like Pentecost. That fire and that wind, Hebrews 1 says, that's the ministry of angels. He makes his ministers winds and fires. That's the ministry of the body. We fan that holy flame and we watch as God does something powerful in lives. This is the invitation. First of all, I'm going to pray. We're just going to go ahead and break those curses so if that's you, all I need you to do, identification or repentance, just go, yep, yeah, that's me, God. Okay? Just identify with it. Let the blood of Jesus deal with the junk and watch as we go and have a happy day. It's going to be great. <laughs> when he draws near and his fire touches your heart and he goes, hey, I want to talk to you about the bitterness. Don't harden your heart. When he draws near and he's teaching you something and the next thing you know you're manifesting it, just know that that's how it works. That it no longer has room for you in you and so it's coming out of you. Praise God. That we're vessels made to glorify him and he's purifying. And so Lord, today, come on church, just turn our hearts towards him right now. Lord, today, in this place, we open that door of fellowship. Jesus, come in, have, sup with us, Lord. Come in, Jesus, be with us. Draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. Just make room for him. Respond to him. If he prompts your heart, don't harden your heart. Just respond to him. Watch that he sets you free.
Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, like in the days of Pentecost where the wind blew, delusion got driven out of the city of Jerusalem and suddenly there's a manifestation. Lord, where the fire comes and refines and deals with what's going on on the inside of us. Holy Spirit, come like that fire. Let the refiner's fire touch our lives. Would you be that bold today? Would you just invite him? Lord, let your fire touch my life. I dare you. I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. Lord, let your fire touch our lives. Jesus, we want you here. We want you here. The holy creator God. We want more of you, Lord. We want more of you, God. Whatever it looks like. God, I, heaven knows we're not after more church services. Lord, we want you, though. And so whatever that looks like, the answer is yes. Yes, Lord. Come in every way. Come in every way. Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, we take authority over that which has come against your people. Over every curse of consequence over intentional witchcraft, over the words of our mouth where we have spoken it and we've bound people up, we have labeled people, we have been labeled. Lord, those words that have kept us in bondage, God, those curses, we break them today by the blood of Jesus. Where we have participated in idolatry and the worship of other gods, where we have allowed, even if it's accidental, God, we repent and we're asking today for this deliverance. By the blood of Jesus, we break the power of that curse of consequence on lives. Where there has been broken covenants, today, Lord, we repent. Forgive us, God, for breaking the covenant of marriage, of other covenants as well. Lord, we repent. We acknowledge our need. Now by the blood of Jesus, the consequence that's come upon your life, we break its power. And we declare the blessing of the Lord on this new union. May you prosper. May things go well for you. May life come to your home. Lord, where we have violated the rights of others and we've held back the wage where we have held back what is owed, where we have not defended those who don't have representation, Lord, where we are ourselves persecuting the alien in our land, Lord. We're asking that as a judge, God, that you would deal with these curses. We cling to the cross today. We plead the blood of Christ over us as a community, as a congregation. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, is there any amens in this house today? Yes, and so be it unto us, Lord. Now, by the blood of the Lord, I declare your mercies afresh, God. The mercy of the Lord over each one, that your sins not be retained, that you walk in a newness of life. Father, would you please now release your angels to deal with any form of demonic stuff that's been touching people. God, break it off your people. Sit as a judge in our midst, Lord, that we might effectively use the vessel to demonstrate your kingdom to a dying world that desperately needs you. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for this. Lord, lastly, we turn to the younger generation. We're asking, Father, we turn our hearts and we're appealing to heaven that the spirit of adoption would come over them. God, that they might turn their hearts back 
God, that the blessing of the Lord would be released in the land and any curses in our land would come off. It would be broken. Fulfillment of Malachi 4, 5, and 6. God, I thank you for this. I thank you for this. I thank you for this. Now I bless you, church. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's favor, his face be upon you. May he be gracious to you and grant you the shalom of heaven. Everywhere you go, his peace would transform your world. Decree this today in Jesus' mighty name. And if you dare to agree with it, you said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today? <laughs>